When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And welcome into Condo It's a Trouble, which actually also has two guys who have sports flowing through their veins. And if not that, some uh, Corona beer sometimes. Zolgad and Chip Scoggin, Star Tribune sports columnist Declan uh, Goff, as always, um, is producing for us. And Chip, I am talking to you uh, from Chicago, where you attended Cubs-Twins on Wednesday night with no fans in Wrigley Field. You wrote about it, but articulate what that experience was like to see a big league baseball game that had no fans. Yeah, it's definitely going to take uh, some getting used to, Judd. Um, it was unlike anything I've ever covered. Because, I mean, you're so conditioned to going to games. And even if there's the crowd is flat, there's still noise, right? There's yes. still kind of a hum or a buzz. or I mean, we've been to games that were just dreadful, and then there's, the crowd's not into it. But at least there's some kind of white noise, you know, in the background. And to have none of that was just – it was it was surreal, really. I mean, I, I wrote about it uh, – Mitch Garver led off, and when he stepped into the box, I mean, there was just nothing. You could hear a pin drop in there, and you hear the you know the umpire call strike. And, um, it was it was the thing that I noticed, Judd, was the sounds or things that you don't really hear were amplified and magnified. Like, and I don't, I don't know how it came across on TV, but um, the sound of the ball leaving the bat just I mean, it, it sounded like an explosion every time or and in one case, the home run off Homer Bailey, it basically was. Oh, the Contreras, um, was a, that was a bomb. Yeah, that was, I think it was for 50 feet. But, um, but you know, just the the, the, the pop of the catcher, uh, catcher's mitt. Um, there was one point where we heard Max Kepler uh, call for a fly ball. Um, <laughs> you could hear guys clapping. So things that, and, and Rocco, I, I tweeted, and Rocco said it, the same thing after the game. You heard things that you wouldn't normally hear. Mm-hmm. And so... It was it was different. I mean, it'll it'll um, take getting used to, and obviously, it's a, I think it's a different perspective for fans at home. And I was tweeting with you or texting with you during it. I tweeted it out. It sound like the piped in or whatever crowd noise that they're playing was a lot louder through the TV than we heard in the stadium. I, it, it was, was pretty loud to us. Yes. What's that? I said on Fox Sports North, it came through, and I don't know if it was partially them or just the in-stadium acoustics and how, but through the TV here, the crowd noise was far louder to us than I think what you heard in the stadium. Yeah, it was more faint. I could 
I didn't hear it all the time. I, you know, I, sometimes I didn't hear it at all, and then you, you would hear like a little bit of almost like white noise. Now, you definitely could hear the cheers that they would pipe in when there was a good play or a home run or whatever. Um, that was obviously loud, but um, as far as the other stuff, I think it was louder on TV than it was in the stadium. Mm-hmm. But, um, And I mentioned this in the column, Judd. It'll be interesting – to see, and I, I don't know how you how you would gauge it, but what effect that has on on players. Um, you know, maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's something we're overblowing. Uh, but I have to think just the adrenaline and energy and and all that 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 athletes get from when a when a crowd gets revved up that has to have some effect on your performance. But I don't know how you qualify it. You know, there's got to be some guys, Chipper, that aren't going to care much. Like it might impact them somewhat, but. Deep down inside, they're not going to care. But to your point, there also has to be a faction of players who it's going to I- impact, who get juiced off that, right? So I, I think it's going. I think it's going to depend on the individual and the person. Uh, but I don't think that you can across the board say it's either going to impact everyone greatly or it's not going to. I think it's going to be very much a case by case basis of some guys are are going to definitely have to adjust to it and probably won't fully adjust to it. And some guys, you know, like like just personality type. Okay, Max Kepler. Does Kepler seem like a guy who's like you know what I love the crowd? Like I think you could play. I think you could play a game at midnight. Put Max in right, and he'd be like, oh, "Okay, cool." Uh, yeah. But there are other guys who that is definitely not the case, and who I think like a Rosario, yeah, exactly. Like Rosario seems like bingo. The energy, right? or, they or thrive off that. Role. Yeah, I mean, those guys seem like they feed off it, and just I mean, did you been in a stadium or, or you know, whether it's baseball, football, where if you're the opposing team and, and crowds are getting on you, and it's a tense moment. And I don't know, you know, guys say, oh, we block that out. We block out noise. It doesn't have an effect on us. But I, I don't know if that's true. You know, it's hard to know. We're not inside their body. But, um, yeah, it's, it's it's definitely, I think it'll take some getting used to. It. And one thing I noticed is, it, it, granted, last night was an exhibition game, so it's not like guys are really going to be into it that much. But right. the energy that you have to create is going to have to be internal. It's going to have to come from the dugout, you know. Um, so it'll be interesting to see Friday night. Are guys on the top step and hooting and hollering and and really trying to create energy that way, or is it going to be pretty stale like it was last night, where there's an occasional clap when something happened, you and you could hear guys, you know, like that a boy, that type of thing. <laughs> or, but it was, but it wasn't constant, and so I'm I'm curious to see kind of once games count and matter what the energy level is going to be like in the dugout. Now, my guess is that as far as as no fans go, and there being probably a lack of um, urgency and energy in the ballpark, it's not going to bother Rocco Baldelli a lot. But here's Chipper is where I'm very curious. You know, Rocco spent year one and was incredibly successful. His team won the American League Central and 101 baseball games. But he spent year one as just unflappable. If things went wrong, he got them fixed, right? The clubhouse policed itself. I never, for as successful as the 2019 Twins were, I never one day going into that clubhouse um, felt an urgency of nervousness or an, or uh, we've got to do this today. 60-game season, Chip Scoggins, this is yeah. going to be incredibly Interesting, because because in some way, shape, and form, and perhaps it'll be small, perhaps it will not be, 
But in some way, shape, and form, you got to think that Rocco is going to have to, for at least one season, one summer, sort of adjust some of his previous thought processes. Yeah, I. but can you change your personality? And I think his personality is just kind of a laid-back, let players be themselves, let them, you know, if you want to show up whatever time, if, that, if that's all it takes for you to get ready, do that. If you want to take a pregame nap, I don't think he's going to deviate from that. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't have too much adversity last year in terms of, um, you know, things they had to deal with um, that would cause, you know, maybe Rocco to, well, I don't know if he'd ever lose his top or, or have closed-door meetings or whatever, air things out publicly. But um, where it'll be interesting is what happens if they have a five-game losing streak. Yes. And because a five-game losing streak is like a 15-game losing streak during a normal season yep. or you know, a 12-game losing streak. And so that's when I, I want to see because – if you have a five-game losing streak during 162 games, it's not great, but it, you know I don't think you have to panic because it's such a long season. But a five-game losing streak yeah, this year, I mean that that's you know you just can't afford to have a bad week. Um, but think about bad. that. That's the most anti-baseball thing, and you're right. But that's the most anti-baseball thing that you can possibly say. Like this is the one sport that lends itself to, yeah, you know, tough April, tough May, but we got June, right? Yeah. So so yeah. so people's thought processes, especially the young baseball people now who by the way are successful, those thought processes in some ways have to change. I'm not saying personalities have to change, but ur- but the feeling of urgency from the top on down for teams that are expected to be good, i.e. the Twins, is going to have to be at least somewhat changed. And and, and I do think where the yeah, I, I do agree with that and and it will be interesting to see more than personality, uh, if we see that reflected in strategy, mm-hmm. whereas hey, you have a quicker hook or um, you know uh, just how he manages games, uh, protects leads, that type of things. But but I do think where it, where it helps the Twins in this situation is Jeff, there's not a lot of young guys that are being counted on. You know, I mean, look at this lineup. It is it is a veteran group. We talked about this last week. I think I'm going to do a blog on tomorrow's. This group reminds me a lot of that 2009 Vikings team in terms of just the number of established, strong leaders. Who's Brett? Uh, out. What's that? Who's Brett? Yeah. Uh, well, they, don't, they, they don't have a Brett far, but, um, but but if you go down there, I mean, you think about it, we, we've talked about Nelson Cruz a lot, but, I mean, you, you know, you're, you're adding Maeda and Hill, um, Donaldson. You're, you have a number of guys, and even think about just the guys that we think and we've always thought about as young. Jorge Polanco's not young anymore. Right. You know, Rosario's not a young player. Uh, I wouldn't say Max Kepler's a young player. I mean, these are guys that have, have established themselves as big, as big league you know, ball players, and so they have a lot of experience on this team. And so I, I, I do think that helps them in this short season that they've just gotten – nobody's been through this. But um, I think you're they're probably a little more unflappable than if you're relying on a bunch of young guys who who might feel that that pressure and that urgency to you know to to um, react a certain way. So Chip Scoggins, um, after the Twins won exhibition game that they played last night against the Cubs, and before they play their first regular season game of their sixty on Friday night against the White Sox, 
I think I have exhibit A for you that we're going to see that, that in 2019, this would not be a big deal. And in 2020, it will be. And it's going to quickly force the Twins' hands hand to make a decision. And that is the performance that we saw on Wednesday night at Wrigley from Homer Bailey, right? Because yeah. he, he is the reclamation project, and I give these guys credit, that they love. Martin Perez, Homer Bailey. You know, this guy, he's got a, a tire fell off, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I put new oil in him and I give him a new tire, he's going to be just fine for at least a portion of the season. Well, now, with Bailey, almost certainly with the Jake out, going to be in the starting rotation to start the season, mm-hmm. if Bailey comes out and... and by the way, I don't subscribe to the fact that he was working on things last no. night. I think he just stunk. But if he comes out and gives you that in his first outing, you don't have a long time to be like, yeah, but, you know, like Wes Johnson saw something there. You're going to yeah. have to pivot pretty quickly, which which to me is exhibit A of going against what the Twins like to do and ordinarily would do. You just don't have a long time to watch Homer Bailey give up 800-foot home runs and sort of roll your eyes and be like, he'll get them next time. Well, that's exactly right, and that's where I think, uh, as we're saying, the quick hook is that in a, in, a, in a normal season, guy has three shaky starts in a row. You you know you might do something, but you you know if, if the guy has a track record, you say let's just let him work through it. You know, I don't think you can do that now. You can't afford to say let's let a guy work through it because you don't have time. And so, um, and, and the good news for the Twins, they have options. I mean, you know, you have uh, Dobnex, Meltzer, absolutely, to go to and you know, you could, uh, with their bullpen, you could have openers and just do different things to be creative. Conversely, same thing with the lineup. It, it, would you be willing to let a guy work through a slump at this point? Um, not a not a really long one unless it's just an absolutely key player who I feel like I can't bet. You know, if, if, if Donaldson goes into a week-long slump, sure. I'm not going to yeah. bench him for a period of time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. And there's just several things there that are going to basically, uh, for at least one summer force baseball people to treat their sport like football, which we know they hate to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, Rocco was probably the polar opposite of knee jerk. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't know. I I think he still would err on the side of trusting guys will come out of it. A lot of it depends. Like if you're a hitter, you know, are you making really good contact? You're just getting unlucky. You're hitting it at people. I mean, part of that factors in too. But, um, but I think it's more pitching. Yeah, I mean, with this pitching staff because they have more depth now, and you can be more creative with the expanded rosters. That um, if a guy is really struggling, I don't think you can just keep thinking or hoping that he'll pull himself out of it. You owe it to the team with 60 games to react maybe quicker to negative things than you would otherwise. Being in uh, Chi-Town right now, Chip Scoggins, what is your sense, if it exists at all, of White Sox fever? Because I do think the White Sox, I'm not saying they're going to be great, and I don't think that they're going to overtake the Twins in the Central in 2020, I don't think. Uh, But this definitely looks like a fun and good up-and-coming club, and I do believe that they are very close to uh, basically being probably the Twins' biggest nemesis in that division for a few years to come is there an excitement there about the white Sox? yeah give me a few more days um i'll probably know better i i I drove up yesterday and drove straight to wrigley and was at wrigley all day so i haven't really uh gotten a sense i haven't even looked at the papers they will come start right my comfort bar but but i do think in general i think you're 100 percent right that um that they're building something 
uh, and it's and they're doing it the right way, and there's a sense that they're going to be a contender. I, mean, I, I think some people thought maybe a year or two away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the thing is, is Joe, with this season, with this sixty games, I think anything can happen, right? Now, I don't no, you're right. That really bad is going to jump up and shock anyone for sixty games, but um, I do think that, you know a team that's has a lot of talent and depth over 162 games would pan out to be the, you know, the team that would win the division. But in 60 games, if you have a bad 10 days, things could, you know, not fall the way you think. So um, absolutely. I think the White Sox could, you know, be a a challenger and a threat to it because you look at the, you know, their roster and the guys that are coming on. And so I think this division and, you know, you never can dismiss Cleveland, even though they're kind of reshuffling a little bit, but I think this, this division is going to be tough this year and, and especially going forward in the next couple of years because of what's happening around. Explain this. How are we um, on the day here that we are recording this on Thursday, that the season's going to start with two games tonight. How are we still seeing that baseball now has gone back and is talking about the expanded playoff format for this year? And what the hell's going on? And one team doesn't know where they're going to play their home game. Toronto has no idea. They got kicked out of <laughs> Toronto, of Canada, and then Pennsylvania's like, we don't want you in the Pirates' ballpark. But this is weird because if we do have the expanded playoffs, Chipper, it changes the whole dynamic of the urgency of the season. But, yeah. you know, I mean, decide this decide this months ago. I thought we did, or weeks ago. I thought that was done, I, and now we're talking about this. I did. Yeah, I did. And I, I saw that yesterday, and it's like, just be done with it. Have a plan to be done with it. Don't be yes. You know, at the eleventh hour, oh, we're going to spend the playoffs. It's like, why? I mean, just just play this out. It's, it's uh, you know, unprecedented. Don't keep adding things here at the, you know, at the eleventh hour. So I, I, it's baseball. You know, it's. But I mean, it changes the whole dynamic of how you feel well, yeah, about the yeah. season. I mean, if you're going to allow most of the teams in, then guess what? I'm not concerned about the Twins. If you're going to not, then you're concerned because if, as you said accurately, if they have five bad games, it means something. Like, let's know. Well, yeah, and and I I would hope and think that regardless of how many teams get in, you're still going to approach it the same way if you're a manager or a player, right? You're trying to win every game and and, and that type of thing. It's not like you're going to be like, oh, we can have a bad day and still get in. They're not going to approach it that way. But, yeah, just from perception's sake, I mean, and for people watching it, yeah, that's there's not as much panic no. uh, if you do have one of those weeks if, if you know you're, you're still okay for the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, it's – it's kind of ludicrous that they're, you know, they're dealing with this and, and, you know, the Blue Jays are still trying to figure out where they're going to play their home games. Get your act together, baseball. I mean, my God, mm-hmm. we've said it a thousand times. Hey, uh, to uh, transition to the Vikings, your thoughts on the news that came out yesterday has not been officially announced by the Vikings yet, but it looks like a three-year contract extension for uh, Zim. And I guess my question off of that as well is not only getting your thoughts, but if this was what was going to happen, why did we wait until right before camp? Do you think? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, it, it's and I wrote that for my days are mixed up. But I think I wrote it for Tuesday. Just like this is weird, right? I mean, players are reporting. Um, this rookies are reporting this week, and you still you have a coach and GM under lame duck contract, which it, to me is it's just a bad sends a bad message, and it's not the right thing to do. Just. Because if you added years to them, like I said, it's not like you're getting married. I mean, if if, if they wanted to turn the page at some point, that's a severance package. And yes, sir. if you are all in on Zimmer and Spielman, this should have been done a long time ago. You know, because my understanding in, in talking to some people over there Monday when I was writing it, there was nothing going on. 
Um, so it's not like they said, hey, Mike, we'll get back to you. I mean, it just there's no negotiations. Um, and so it's weird that it took this long. I'm sure they'll say, you know, uh, with everything going on with the pandemic, it was, you know, there are more pressing matters and, and they, they were going to get to this all along. I'm sure that's how they're spin it. But um, I'm sure Zimmer didn't. Uh, wasn't comfortable with that. I mean, there was reports. I think Chad Graff had that he was he was annoyed and and frustrated uh, by the lack of movement on it. So, but it, I I think it's the right thing, right? I mean, you have stability, and they really needs to be, every team needs stability right now with with how crazy this season could be. And um, and I just think you know the idea of the grass is always greener. You're going to find a young hotshot offensive guru. Uh, you might, but you might not, and you know what you're getting with Zimmer, and you're getting a good coach and a professional and all the things that we've known that he's brought to the team. Um, so I, I just think it's the right move. I think, too, Chip, that that with the uh, pandemic being very much in play and a season that, if it's played in full, is going to be filled with distractions and problems, the worst thing that you could possibly do is have a lame duck coach and GM, right? And that becomes a story. It's going to be hard for the good teams, I think, to win in that league in 2020 because we are in the midst of a pandemic. And in football, that's going to be a problem. Guys are going to get the virus. Guys are going to get hurt. Um, And I think for a franchise, and I give the Wilfs credit for this, the Vikings are, for the most part, a stable franchise now. And to have taken Mike into the last year of Mike's contract, to me, was very odd at this point. Now I got it. I got it after the season came to a conclusion, but things have changed. And if I'm Mike too, I, I think that he probably went in chipper with some leverage here in telling the Wolves accurately. So guys, I've had no OTAs. Many camps are out. Training camp for the most part is going to be as truncated as possible, and no preseason games. And have you looked at my defensive backfield as far as the cornerbacks go, which is what I'm known for, right? And you're tell and you're telling me the man- mandate is that you might give me a one year extension and I'm supposed to win for sure. I can't tell you that, and you don't know that. And, and so I think the three year extension makes sense, um, just given the fact that Chipper opening day, yeah. you're starting Mike Hughes and whom at cornerback, and there's three starting spots there. There's just so many things that because of the virus have been impacted now. And I think Mike had a pretty strong case to say, let's either lock into something that is seems a little bit long-term, or if you don't want me, you don't want me. Well, and that's the thing, Judd. Um, it's, the Vikings, to me, are sort of in a contradictory spot. Now, a little bit less contradictory now that you have your – or when it becomes official that you have Spielman and, and Zimmer um, tied up to long-term deals. But – they're still in that win now window because you look at kind of their core, but it also feels like a transition year in some regard. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. You, you've turned over the roster, particularly defensively. Uh-huh. You've turned over the roster to a pretty significant degree. I mean, you got rid of Stefan Diggs and, and some div- uh, defensive guys that you've been accustomed to. And, and now you're relying on <clears throat> rookie draft picks and some young, unproven guys to fill important roles. And so you're 100 percent right. It's like with, with no OTAs and no off season, you're relying on all these young guys, and you're going to tell the head coach, "Hey, this is a lame duck year. Do or die. Show us what you got." I mean, that, it just doesn't add up. And so it makes sense that they did that. So I'm just surprised it took so long. I, yeah. I thought they would have done. And you could say the COVID and all that, but 
really, how difficult is it to sign your coach to an extension? Right. I'm sure right. there's some well, negotiations, and, but it's not like a Dalvin Cook negotiations. And plus, plus on top of that, to me, you if you're the Wilfs, you chose your path the day in March that you signed Cousins. Because, I mean, once sure. you give him the, the extension, you're basically committing to a lot of the same thing. So unless you, you think there's a magical coach out there who's going to come in, you know, McVay or something, and you're going to get him in 2021, and he's going to come in with Cousins and work magic, I think, that, you know, what we saw in 2019 from Kubiak is probably about as good as you're going to get from Kirk. And so once you sign Kirk to the extension – you basically are committing to a large part of the path, to your point, that you've chosen. Yeah, and it's it's. I thought they would sync up all those those three because to me those three are tied together. Don't you agree, Zimmer, Spillman, and, and uh, Cousins? Yes, sir. And, um, doesn't it feel like to you though? I mean, is this a season in transition? But but how do you say that when you have you know? Okay. Cousins and and you know and and Kendricks and Barr. I'm going to run this by you though. Okay, so 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 here's where I agree, and, and in some ways I'm critical, but in some ways I'm struggling with going with what's going through my own mind on what you just said. Okay, we are the same guys who, when this uh, team franchise ran things back in 2010, at least me personally, thought to myself, I, "You got everybody back. This is great." So it, it's a team of transition, but in this league, there I think there always needs to be some constant transition. So I am yeah. struggle. I am struggling in in criticizing them for what you're saying when I am the guy in 2010 who thought you're running it back. This is really smart, and it just slapped yeah, me no, in the face. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. No, I, and I don't say that as a, as a criticism. And I, I was 100 percent like I fell in that trap of like, and it's it's easy to do like. Holy cow! They made the NFC Championship, and they're bringing everybody back. They're going to start right from the start. You know, it's going to be a duplication. And and you know, I'm right, kind of in the side. I'm writing about the Twins lineup uh, for my advance column tomorrow for the season, and I'm probably following that same trip. Holy cow! They hit you know yep. major league base for home runs and runs scored, and it's going to be the same thing. And and so. We fall in that trap where you think everything's going to be identical, and then some, you know, because you could take that next step, and it doesn't work that way. So, yeah, that's not even necessarily criticism, but it's just an acknowledgement that. And here's the thing: heck, some of these rookies or young guys might be better than Xavier Rhodes right now, you know. Absolutely. Or I don't know about I thought Mackenzie Alexander. I would like to see him back, uh, or you know, better than Trey Waynes. You don't know. Could be worse, but it could be better. But it's it's, it's just the unknowns that they have on on defense right now. And really, offense too at wide receiver. Um, I like Jefferson, but he's a rookie. You don't know. And nobody, so that, nobody has practice time. There's, nobody. Yeah, yep. there's no practice time, and there's so there's just a, un, a lot of unknowns. And I don't think it was smart to have a lame duck coach in that situation. And, and furthermore, it's just not good optics when your coach is getting asked about his contract every week, uh, or you know, or frequently, um, and having that hang over the team too. Yeah. Hey, my, my one, one thing too, as players get set to report to camp, well, actually I believe that the rookies and quarterbacks for the Vikings are doing today as we record this on Thursday, but the veterans are going to come in on Tuesday. Here's my one question. And we're not hearing a thing about this. And I'm very, very confused. Don't the owners and doesn't the league at some point have to tell the players financially what their package is going to be for 2020? Because we keep talking about, and look, it's important, um, health and safety, right? Right? COVID-19, what the parameters are. And it looks like the league is giving the players what they want. But I have a feeling they're doing it before the shoe drops of, oh, and by the way, you're all going to have to take X amount of a pay cut. At what point in time are we going to hear exactly what the financial parameters are? Because with no fans, the players are not going to get 100% of their salaries. 
and it feels like they're slow cooking this thing, but like Friday or Saturday or something, we're going to hear, and you're going to have to put X amount in escrow. And I think a lot of players, and rightfully so, probably some quarterbacks or the um, or the J.J. Watts of the world are going to be like, well, then I'm not showing up, and we'll be in for another baseball-like type of labor problem. I'm just surprised we're not hearing that now. But, uh, Judd, does, did I read this wrong, or does the, the CBA have a clause in there where the players get their full salary regardless of circumstances? Is that in the CBA? Um, I don't know that, but I, don't do- have a, I, I thought Sorry, I Chip. thought I read somewhere there's a clause. I forgot what the name of the clause is, but that they get full salaries. But the one thing we haven't seen, Judd, is baseball came out. You know, said no fans. We haven't seen that for. I mean, everything I read is like NFL's. You know, they're not at full capacity, obviously, but they're anticipating having fans to some degree, whether it's thirty percent, fifty percent, whatever the number is. Um, so, wouldn't that determine how much you're going to be able to pay? It would help. Play- but I saw I saw something about three weeks back about the amount of escrow that they wanted to take away from players because there's going to be a lot of teams that don't have fans. And sure. and there's been underlying talk about the fact that, and this is BS, but the underlying talk is the league is going to almost take the salary cap and completely slash it for 21. Now, the PA has said, hold on a second. Roll it back some for twenty one, twenty two, twenty three. Let's let's spread the pain out. Uh, but there's there's like these there's these reports that you get occasionally, and this buzz of what the owners are going to do financially to try and get theirs back. But no one's coming out and really talking about or saying it. And and this could this could stop training camp in its absolute tracks. But it feels like we need to get there. Well, that's yeah. It's it's weird that you wouldn't have that buttoned up before you bring guys back and they start practicing because that's going to be awkward to say the least is if you're practicing for a week and oh by the way here's here's a new financial this is what we want and then you have players walking off the field yeah we're yeah, not right <laughs> so but if yeah, i'm a quarterback like, you know it feels like a showdown that's coming doesn't it yes and and if i am if i am russell wilson or i am you know a highly paid qb and i know the league needs me like if if we walk you're in trouble i'm gonna walk and so I just don't – it's the one weird thing, and it's it was almost like the league was very comfortable talking about, you know, health and safety precautions so that we wouldn't uh, focus on the financials because that, of course, looks really bad. So it's just weird. Here's the question I had. So if, if, the, if the salary cap drops precipitously or just even whatever number next year, and you've got guys under contract with scheduled to make X number of dollars, you know, you've, you've – you looked into the future when you've done this contract. How are they going to make that work with with the the money they're they're you know they're scheduled to owe these guys? Can I answer your question with a theory? I think it's yeah. one reason Dalvin Cook isn't getting paid. That they just don't want to tie that up. Fear yeah, for well, company. yeah. There, there. Do you think they're going to make him play out this rookie contract? There was an Ian Rappaport report um, a month and a half ago now, and it's been disputed. Okay, so I'm not saying it's gospel. That said, the salary cap could go down by as much as like $25, million, $40 million. I mean, a ridiculous amount. But the Vikings on Cook, Chipper, the Vikings got him. He's got to show up with the rookie contract because yeah. he's not yeah, going to. Yeah, he can't hold out. Yeah, he's not going to hold out and lose that kind of money. But I'm telling you, uh, these are the most ruthless, ruthless, excuse me, owners in the world. Yes. You know, you know that. He doesn't. I don't want to say he has no leverage. I think he has some because 
they built the offense with him in mind, and they they love him. They think he's you know a top five running back. Yep. Um, but if there if there is a you know a significant fear that that that's going to drop, it'll be interesting to see if they say you know what, we just can't give you a new deal. But man, I, I don't know. I, I think. Well, I th- even if, if if it drops that much, if you gave him a new deal and he's averaging twelve million a year. I mean, you're, you know, is it just going to be one player or other players? I mean, I, I just wonder how they're going to configure a 53-man roster. I'll talk about – I I will – if I was the Vikings, I would tell him – I would go to Dalvin and his agent, his uh, representative, with the Derrick Henry contract and say, I'll do something around this ballpark, if, but not one cent above that ballpark. And if he says sure. no, I'd say show up. So, And I don't – and his was, what, 13.5 or no, how much was Derrick? 13 million average? A mm-hmm. year, I think. I I think that I thought it'd be like eleven to twelve million. I, I thought that would be fair for both sides. Dalvin probably doesn't agree, but I think eleven, right. considering his injury history, I think eleven or twelve million average uh, a year is 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 perfect com- um, compromise by both sides. Last thing, sir, your your thoughts on the reports that came out a couple, a couple days ago from, I think it was Sportico, that Glenn Taylor, who owns, of course, the Star Tribune and the Wolves, is looking to sell not the paper but the basketball team. And that names that emerged uh, were Garnett and the Wilfs. Now, now uh, Schefter broke the story about the Wilfs. It has since been refuted locally, not that they made contact, but that they are um, on the front burner as far as a buyer go- uh, goes right now. Uh, but your thoughts on the fact that Kevin Garnett, it sounds like very actively um, is trying to get involved or is involved with a group that is pursuing the Timberwolves. Yeah, that I mean obviously that would be the sentimental choice for fans, right? Just to bring him back into the fold. You know, I don't know. I guess he would have to have somebody that would be the majority owner, right? Yeah, he know. doesn't have enough to be the majority owner. I don't know. He has the the. Yeah. You know, I don't know what his financial worth is, but I would I would guess he would need somebody to be the majority owner. But that, I mean, obviously that would be, you know, that would create a lot of excitement within the fan base that he's back in, in kind of the family, so to speak. But, um, you know, I think it's, uh, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm glad he's not selling the paper, you know, <laughs> we've, we've gone through that before. Um, but it, it feels like, uh, I think probably the right time for him. I think he has the people in place that he, that he trusts and likes. And, um, it'll be, see, it'll be interesting to see if Garnett is able to pull it off and get, get the group together to do it. Um, I'm guessing there's, Based on the report, sounds like the Wolves are not actively. So I don't know if that means they're completely out. And I don't know if they're trying to distance themselves because there's no incentive for them to raise their hand right now, right, and be like, "Yeah, we're trying to buy the Wolves." Yeah, um, it does. Well, maybe it's one of those deals where they didn't want a public judge. That's what I'm thinking. Home. Yes, you know, and so maybe, maybe once it became public, they kind of floated that, "Hey, we're not active, but are still <laughs> active behind the scenes." Yes, I, I don't know. Um, but it, it, you know, sounds like they have multiple uh, offers. And here's the thing, Judd. I know attendance was the lowest in the NBA last year, and all. And you know, the, we know the history. But Minnesota is a basketball state, and if you put a good product winning product, that that will be a good take. I mean, people. It, I know people think we're a hockey state, but people in Minnesota love basketball. And you look at it from the youth levels up. I think the interest would be there if if you if they're able to build a sustained winner and. Um, I mean, we saw the atmosphere when they were making playoff runs and got to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, this town was on fire for Wolves. And so um, 
to say that this is a bad basketball market. I don't agree with that. I agree with you totally. This is a great basketball state if you give them something to watch. And I wonder, too, um, if Glenn, not because he's going broke, but I wonder, too, if Glenn has decided that this is a good time because, Chipper, pre-pandemic, the Wolves the wolves were, look, I think they're doing the right thing, but it's going to take some time. And pre-pandemic, they weren't exactly um, uh, strong on the sports map here. And post-pandemic, man, as far as corporations and fans go, those dollars are going to be spread so thin when you got the Wild, United, Vikings, Twins, right? Golfers. Um, and the one interesting dynamic about Garnett is that would be a day one, oh boy, this is exciting, that the yes. Wolves, you know, Cat's a really nice player, and the Russell trade, I think, ultimately might be good. And I think Gerson's got this team uh, potentially on the right path. All of that being said, there's no real excitement around the franchise right now. If Glenn sold and it was a group involving Kevin Garnett and opening night of 2021, Garnett is at center court waving to the crowd and the 21s being raised to the rafters. Yeah. Think about yeah. the all of a sudden shift in excitement about this franchise that, hey, I know it's a short term sugar high, but they desperately need. Yeah, I mean, it would, yeah, it would bring that jolt that they need. And, if, you know, he'd get his number finally retired and but you know the, fun like structurally i think there's some momentum when you look at their practice facility the renovations they made gerson's just you know overhauled that roster and obviously they're not done yet but um when you look at the additions they got and if, you know if they can somehow add another piece to that maybe devin booker and then and all of a sudden um you know, they're there. You are building something that people say, "Oh, yeah, yeah." This, you know, they're they're building the roster the right way, and so I think there's some momentum in just kind of that. It just hasn't translated to you know wins, but yeah, they they definitely could use a jolt, and that would give it. Um, and I, I think people would be excited. I mean, I, you know, they're you're right. It's going to be hard for for these franchises <sighs> to command the same kind of corporate money and, and fan money because it's, you know, everybody hit hard by the pandemic. You may have to make choices now that, that other, you know, you didn't previously. And so there's going to be a big competition, I think, between all the organizations that way. Amen. Amen. Okay. Enjoy uh, Chi Town Ship Scoggins. Enjoy the White Sox uh, Twins series. And uh, if they lose two of three, we will all go into a blind panic and there'll be great fun. <laughs> That's right. Everybody will panic. All right, brother. Talk to you next week. All right. Conduits of trouble, Scoggins and Chicago's all get back here in the Twin Cities. Uh, we will be back with you next week. Sports is finally back, thank God. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.